ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this episode, we're going back. We're going back to February 6th, 2003. On that day, 50 Cent released his debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the album. We're going to talk about uh, 50 Cent and his rise. Um, the track listing, the production, everything. Um, it's hard. <laughs> it is literally hard to believe that this album is turning 20 years old. Um, I distinctly remember this album and its drop uh, for a number of reasons, and I'll get into it in just a second. But um, yeah, man, it's been 50 cents since, I mean, excuse me, <laughs> it's been 20 years since 50 cent hit the scene um and i'll be honest it doesn't feel like it's been that long uh at least to me uh you know at the time of this recording i don't even think 50 cent is even making music he's you know into making movies and he's got tv shows and all of this stuff like that um but you know once upon a time kids <laughs> 50 cent was a you know pretty popular rapper um, so let's go back. February 6th, 2003. Uh, one of the things that I remember about this time was um, there was a shift. You know, rap has gone through a lot of shifts. There was a lot. There was a shift and there was a shift in hip hop. There was a shift in how we actually consumed hip hop. Um, at this particular time, one of the things that was very popular was uh, the ability to get music for free <laughs> uh bootlegging uh was running rampant um well bootlegging has always been a part of hip-hop but at this particular time in early 2003 um you know the cost of cds were going up and music was so abundant that you know people really wanted to get their hands on the music especially if the music was hot especially if the music was something that you know, you normally wouldn't pay for or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, so people wanted, they, they had to have it. So it was, um, it was something where they was going to, they were going to do whatever it took to get to the music. Um, that being said, 50 Cent was a very, very popular, I don't want to call him underground, but he wasn't mainstream just yet. Like he, he was a, uh, he was very popular on the mixtape scene. And we was one of the most popular mixtape artists at the time. He did not have a studio album. And I'm sure all of you are familiar with the story. Um, for those who aren't, um, 50 Cent was, you know, somewhat of a <laughs> uh, troublemaker, if you will. Uh, he'd been in, in and out of jail, you know, a couple of times with run-ins with the law. Um but the word was was that this was the guy that had gotten shot nine times and lived to tell about it and honestly that made 50 cents legend not saying he was a legend but that made his legend that much bigger 
because you normally don't get shot nine times to still live. Um, but it became like somewhat of a legend in the streets. And keep in mind at this particular time in 2003, the internet, while the internet was out, it was something that it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Like I had the internet in my house, but I had like dial up. I had like AOL messenger, like <laughs> it was, and the internet was in its early infancy stages of where it would be. So while I would get online and I could download music uh, for free, well, not for free, uh, illegally, I should say, through sites like Kazaa and LimeWire and stuff like that, um, you know, I wanted to hear what this guy, who this guy was. And I remember listening to a song uh, that was on a mixtape. I, I think it was a Clue mixtape, I think, um, a song called Ghetto Quran. And in the song Ghetto Quran, he, 50 Cent, makes uh, accusations that uh, Kenneth Supreme, uh, what's, what's Supreme's last? I can't remember Supreme's last, Griffin. Um, Supreme was um, legendary founder of the drug consortium, um, the Supreme Team. Uh, in fact, there's a really dope documentary on the Supreme Team on Showtime. If you have Showtime, go check that out or find it online. Um, but nonetheless, he made a reference to Supreme being responsible to someone about someone's being someone being killed in New York. Supreme and 50 are from the same place, um, Jamaica, Queens. And so subsequently, allegedly, uh, Supreme sent some people at 50 and they got him. And but thing about it was 50 got shot nine times, including uh, in the jaw, I think. And he lived to tell about it. And so. Word was, was that 50 was this guy who had a record deal or was getting record deals. But once he got shot, industry people backed away from him, all except for Eminem and Dr. Dre. Eminem found 50, brought him to Dr. Dre, and they said, hey, we're going to produce this kid. We're going to look out for him, whatever, whatever. And the rest was, quote unquote, history. So I said all that to say this. The legend of 50 Cent was big before his album even dropped so you know how like a lot of times you can tell people oh man well this guy's hot or this chick is hot and their music doesn't match well 50 cent had an aura and he had a rep not necessarily being somebody tough but he was a street guy who was now rapping and he was mythical to some degree and so i wanted to give that context as to who 50 cent was and you'll kind of understand the popularity and why this album was what it was. Um, so then we fast forward into February. And by this time, 50 is burning up. Um, he's burning up the mixtape scene with the song Wankster. And 50 <laughs> uh, had beef with, uh, at the time, arguably one of the most popular hip-hop artist at that particular time and that was Ja Rule. Uh, ja Rule who also is from Jamaica Queens um, who's also down with Supreme or was down with Supreme at the time. Ja Rule and 50 had beef. Ja Rule and 50 actually had gotten into a physical fist fight in a studio. The two dudes don't like each other. So 50 came up with the term wankster, you know, fake gangster whatever like that about Ja Rule. And so here it was, 50 not only had the Ghetto Quran song, he had Wankster, and he also made a song called How to Rob. 
and it was that was probably the first time that i heard 50 it was again it was on a mixtape and how to rob uh featured 50 rapping about how he would rob other rappers in the industry now as you can hear in how to rob 50 was he's being facetious he's not you know really talking about robbing people or robbing these you know celebrities or rappers or whatever like that but that song pissed a lot of people off because it's like okay wait a minute you just got here you ain't even here yet and you making you you you're making waves like this so suffice to say 50 pissed a lot of people off before before the first album even comes out so all of that is the backdrop to get rich or die trying so february 6 2003 this album actually was supposed to come out i think like two weeks later but because the album was so heavily bootlegged they moved it up to february 6 right and i won't forget it i'll never forget it because that album came out the same weekend and i want to say if i'm not mistaken without looking at a calendar i think february 6 was a friday albums normally dropped on tuesdays but they moved it to a friday in advance of the following tuesday which in, in which it was supposed to drop and they did that because again it was being it was being bootlegged like crazy but that particular weekend was the same weekend that we had the all-star game in my hometown my adopted hometown of atlanta georgia so 2003 all-star game um it is the last game, last all-star game that Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the GOAT, <laughs> would participate in. Just a little side story. So the whole hip-hop world has converted, and the whole basketball world has converged on Atlanta GA. And when I tell you, and I was out that weekend, I was outside that weekend, um, I distinctly remember taking our, uh, our oldest son, uh, Dion to a an event at um downtown near the arena, and we took the train because traffic was bananas. Like you couldn't go anywhere in traffic, and so the thing that I remember about that weekend was even uh, even when I was in the car or just walking around, every place you went, you heard this album. You heard it in the club. You heard it in cars passing by. You heard it on the radio. I mean, like they were, everybody was, this was the, this was an album that honestly, if you did not get it that weekend and the store sold out because that was something that did happen, you might've gone a week or two without getting that album, unless you could find it on bootleg. And one of the things that was huge about this album was that it was being produced by the legendary Dr. Dre. And so you have all of these things. Eminem is a hot rapper and Eminem is one of the top rappers in the game. And he's bringing this guy's under his, as his protege and they're being, and he's being mentored by the great Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre executive produced the album and, and, and we are getting production from Dr. Dre. And the word was, was that, and I don't know how true it was, but the word was, was that, we all know that Dr. Dre was supposed to produce this album called Detox. It was supposed to be his follow-up to uh, The Chronic. Well, 
Detox never came. And these beats that Dr. Dre had for Detox, which he never released, allegedly were on this album. And so the streets were buzzing. Everybody was going crazy trying to get their hands on this album. And I distinctly remember going to the record store because, yeah, kids, you had to actually get in your car, drive to the record store to purchase your album. I got to the record store and I got there early, but it was already a line and like even more people were coming. So everybody that I know, and I kid you not, everybody that I know had that album. You had to have that out. We went to a couple of all-star events. And even, even in the arena, they were playing playing um, uh, 50. So it wasn't... And I think In the Club was the single that he had out. The single dropped in January. The album dropped, um, album dropped in uh, February. But yeah, it, it was... He was everywhere, right? So again, that's the backdrop. The album comes out. February 6, 2003, the album's 53 minutes, and it's got producers from everybody from Dr. Dre, Shaw Money XL, Sean Blaze, um, Dirty Swift, DJ, uh, DJ Rad, Terrence Dudley, Mike Elizondo, um, Megahertz, Mr. Porter, Red Spider, Reef, Rockwilder, and many others. Um, again, it was executive produced by Dr. Dre and Eminem. Um, the singles that he released was in the club that was released January 7th, 2003, 21 questions, which also had a video in the club, had a video as well. I'm pretty sure you guys know that, uh, <laughs> 21 questions, March 4th, 2003, many men wish death, uh, May 24th, 2003, PIMP, August 12th, 2003. And if I can't. September 16th, 2003. Um, what can I say, man? This album went through the roof. Um, again, it was everywhere. So you couldn't go anywhere without hearing the album. Um, this album sold 872,000 physical copies, meaning you had to go out of your house and purchase this album. Physical copies were sold, 872,000. That had never been done in history in the history of hip hop. And again, they had to move the release date up. So if it if it wasn't for the fear of it being bootlegged and they didn't have to move it up, there's no telling how many. I mean, this album could have possibly sold a million its first week out, which would have been unprecedented. It had not happened before. Um but 50 was there. I mean, like 50, he had a buzz like crazy. And the fact that he had already pissed off a lot of rappers in the industry, but he had a target, if you will, at Ja Rule, who was, again, the hottest rapper in the game. I mean, just imagine somebody creating in today's time. Imagine somebody creating a buzz via mixtapes. They only have a couple of songs out. They diss the entire rap industry. And then jokingly diss the rap industry about talking about how to rob them. And then, you know, they take aim at Drake on their first album and they diss the hell out of Drake. And, you know, that's what it was with 50 and Ja Rule. And, and I'll talk about Ja Rule and 50 in just a second. But again, you couldn't go anywhere. Uh, this album, I think, has sold um, 
over 10 million copies, uh, if I'm not mistaken. The reviews were crazy. Um, it was street. It was hood. It was um, a little bit of everything. He had radio songs. He had club songs. He had, you know, the, the homie songs. And then he had songs. He just talking shit. And I mean, like people really took to 50. And, you know, you could say a lot of different reasons as to why. But people really took the 50. And I mean, like, he just had it. I don't know what it is, but 50 had it. And I mean, he won Billboard Awards. He won, um, got a lot of recognition for the album. And so, you know, 50 does this. And, you know, the album is selling through the roof. And again, he has, <laughs> by this time, um, you know, pissed a few people off. And But he's still, he he's not caring. And I think that's the thing that that really, uh, and I misspoke. I'm sorry. He sold nine million albums. This album sold nine million albums. But I think by this time, the thing that attracted people to Fifty Cent was Fifty Cent, the rapper, didn't care about the fact that some people in the rap industry didn't like him. Fifty Cent, the businessman, understood that the fact that people didn't like him made. The fans want to hear what he had to say. 50 Cent, the rapper, probably didn't care too much about Ja Rule or Ja Rule's fans, get, considering the fact that Ja Rule was one of the most popular rap artists at the time. Ja Rule was on everybody's songs. He was on hooks singing and everything. 50 Cent, the businessman, understood that him dissing Ja Rule was going to be a payday for him. And given the fact that they actually physically got into a confrontation into a fight that made it even better 50 i mean like so he had no reason but to go in on ja rule and you can make a case and some have made the case that 50 cents quote-unquote verbal assault on ja rule ended ja rule's music career now i don't know what side you stand on but the case could be made and if you really, really look at it and break it down, 50 Cent did everything that he said Ja Rule was doing. All in the videos. 50 was all in the videos. Singing on the hooks. 50 was singing on the hooks. There's no there's no woman singing on any of the hooks on any of these songs on this album. But it's a really, really dope album. So let's get into the track listings. Uh, the album opens up with the intro coin flip that is so dope i mean I, I i think that's a dope dope intro then he goes into what up gangster um what up blood what up cuz what up blood what up gangster now he ruffles some people's feathers because some people were like well no you're not a gang member so you can't say that but it's 50 again 50 doesn't care and he understood that any controversy that he made was going to be beneficial to him financially. And so like him or love him or hate him, you got to respect 50 for that. I did. I mean, because he knew that his, any controversy that he's any dust that he kicked up, it was going to pay dividends for him. Um, but what up gangster is a tough, tough song. But I like that joint. Um, bangs in the club too. I heard it played a lot in the club. Um, that particular weekend, all-star weekend. Um, 
track three, Patiently Waiting, featuring Eminem, um, which is also produced by Eminem. Um, typical back and forth between 50 and Eminem. Um, Eminem, <laughs> I like he said, uh, Shady Records was 80 seconds away from the towers, meaning the World Trade Center. Uh, he said they fucked with the wrong ones. They meant to hit ours, meaning that the terrorists from 9-11 was trying to hit the Shady Records building instead of the World Trade Center. Clever line. Not true, but clever nonetheless. Um, but I mean, it's vintage Eminem because you know, y'all know, when Eminem gets on a track, with, Eminem's already a, a really, really good rapper. When he gets on a track with somebody, he tries to body you. And, you know, he did his best to try to body 50. They, they you know, 50 held his own. Um, then we get into track four, Many Men uh, Wish Death. Um, this song actually starts with an intro of 50 being shot. Um, and I think it, it, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but if you listen to that particular intro when the song comes on, it sounds similar to how the people would have sounded the ones that came at 50 that actually shot him. 50 never acknowledged. I don't know if he ever, he gives reference to someone who shot him saying that he knew who shot him. And he said that that person got killed too. So I don't know if that's true or not. Um, track five in the club banger. I mean, go shorty. It's your birthday. We're going to party. Like it's your birthday. That song still, I mean, on everybody's birthday, they play that song. So, um, another Dr. Dre banger. Um, the first time that I heard it, I was like, Oh hell yeah. That would have been on detox. <laughs> um, track six high all the time. Um, that was good. Another solid song. So, I mean, like 50s out the gate, first six songs out the gate are, are nice. Then we get to track seven, which is my personal favorite on the album. It's called Heat, um, produced by Dr. Dre. The drums, and a, it's a drum and a drum, I guess, I don't even know if you want to call it a snare, and a, and a gunshot, man, and a synthesizer. Um. It is great. That beat is crazy. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, 50 goes off on this one. Um, again, talking trash like 50 does. Um, but I, again, my favorite track on the album. Um, then he gets into track eight. If I can't, um, another track produced by Dr. Dre, another banger. Um, track nine, Bloodhound featuring Young Buck. Um, this was produced by uh, Sean Blaze. Um, it was interesting to have the Young Buck on Young Buck on this one. Um, I was okay with this one. This one didn't. It doesn't even back then. It was it was it was solid, but it didn't blow me away. But it was a solid track. Solid track. Um, then we get to track ten, Back Down, produced by Dr. Dre. Back Down was a song that. 50 takes direct aim at Ja Rule. And again, you can make the case, and many have made the case that this was the beginning of the end for Ja. Because 50 literally, you know, just used a couple of bars and he went right at Ja. And, you know, again, you can make the case that Ja hadn't been the same, you know, collectively as an artist since then. 
um, because people stop rocking with Ja Rule. Uh, then we get to the ever popular track 11, PIMP, produced by Mr. Porter. I mean, radio friendly joint, still smoker to this day. Um, track 12 was produced by the Rockwiler, Like My Style, uh, featuring Tony Yayo. I ain't really like this one. I think he could have left this one at home. I mean, but, you know, he's he had Young Buck on one track, Tony Yayo. Of course, those guys are part of the G Unit crew. Uh, it was Young Buck. Tony Yayo and a little guy by the name of Game, the game. Um, and um, who's the other guy? Lloyd Banks. Uh, that was G Unit crew. And you know, 50 and his G Unit crew had a nice little run. I mean, say what you want about them. They had a nice little run after this album. Uh, track 13, Poor Little Rich, but produced by Shaw Money and Eminem. I like this. I like it. Some people that I know didn't like this, but I like this. Um, it's so smooth. It, it, it can go. Um, then track 14, uh, 21 questions, the radio friendly joint, uh, that was produced by dirty Swift. Uh, this featured the late great Nate D O double G. Um, I mean, he said, I love you. Like a fat kid loves cake. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can't lose with Nate dog on a hook. I, I mean, you would be hard pressed to find a track with Nate Dogg on the hook that wasn't good. I mean, rest in peace, man. Nate, Nate didn't miss. Um, the next track was track 15, Don't Push Me, featuring Lloyd Banks and Eminem, produced by Eminem. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. No, not, nothing. Nobody blew me away on this one. And then the last track was produced by Megahertz, track 16, Gotta Make It to Heaven. Um, it was okay, too. No, not I, again. I'm not by this point. I'm not blown away. But the first, I'll put it like this: as an old school, remember the A side and B side. A side A much much stronger than side B, but that does not mean that side B isn't good because I think it's a very solid album all the way through. Um, I would say under the source rating. From five mic to one mic, five being the highest, obviously, five being a classic. I'd say this is a. I would say that this is a four mic album. If you said three and a half, I, I give you that. If you said four and a half, I give it. I can't give it a class. It's not a classic, no. But I think it's 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 somewhere between three and a half and four mics. Um, very very good album. Very easy to listen to. Still, I mean, like the production bangers. I mean, like I put this on in the car and it was just I just let it roll. And it was funny because like I remember how much I played this album because without even looking at the track listing, I knew what the next when when one song ended, I knew what was coming on next. And it's because I played the album so much. Um again, man, 50 he he came out of the gate smoking and and you realize pretty quickly that the guy knew what he was doing. He could rap, but he was a hustler and he was a businessman. And I mean, that you can see how that has transitioned him into what he's doing now. Um, I think personally, I think this is the best album in his discography. Uh, I don't think we, I don't know that we'll never, I don't know if we'll ever get another 50 cent album. Um, but to be honest, I don't necessarily know that we need one. 
if we're being honest. Um, but that being said, this album, if you were around in 2003, you know the impact that this album had. Um, this album literally was everywhere. The videos were on MTV and BET. The songs were on the radio. The songs were everywhere. I mean, black radio, white radio. Um, and, you know, it established 50 Cent as a major player in the game. And, you know, I don't think anybody can argue with the success that he's had. And it all got started right here. February 2nd, excuse me, February 6th, 2003 with Get Rich or Die Trying. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for me. Thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, the podcast drops every Thursday at midnight from time to time. We'll drop episodes like this one on Sundays. These bonus episodes get dropped on Sundays at midnight. Uh, and a new twist I would like to add. I heard my man Uncle Dolomite say this. And I'm going to add this to my, my podcast as well. If you like to support the 12 Kyle podcast, free, feel free to hit us up on Cash App. 12 Kyle, spelled out T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. Uh, that's going to do it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.